This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to spend a good portion of this show interviewing several contributors to the recent Wharton Customer Analytics Conference, which was held here on the Penn campus. We're going to take a look at how analytics is impacting all kinds of businesses. We're going to start out by looking at the world of education and how it is impacting public schools with the CIO of the Philadelphia public school system. Then in about 30 minutes, we're going to discuss new and unique partnerships that are coming out of analytics with executives from the Gates Foundation and from Comcast. Then in hour number two, we're going to be joined by the co-founder of LinkedIn, Alan Blue. His company is using analytics to make job search better, but also areas of learning that they are adding to their operation as well. Well, last week, Wharton Customer Analytics held a conference here at the University of Pennsylvania looking at how data analytics is going to lead us into the next century. One of the more important areas for data analytics to impact could be education, with the need to improve Education to bring technology, learning, and more up to current needs. Data analytics will be a necessary to parse out much of the data so that proper changes are necessary. Joining us to discuss this end of the story, Eric Bradlow, marketing professor here at the Wharton School, also faculty director of the Wharton Customer Analytics Initiative. And you also hear him every Wednesday morning right here on Sirius XM 132 as one of the co-hosts of Moneyball. And also joining us, Melanie Harris, who is the chief information officer for the School District of Philadelphia. Thank you both for giving us some time today. Greatly appreciate it. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, Eric, let's start with the conference in general and, and really the gist of wanting to do a conference like this. Well, one of our missions when we started WCAI, which is hard for me to believe 11 years ago, was to bring education to a broader population around analytics. Every industry needs analytics, but it doesn't just start with college age and graduate students. So one of the things I'm really excited about the conference is we have people like Melanie that are here. We're going to be discussing education, what has to be done around analytics from pre-K through 12 education. Obviously, I'll be there representing collegiate and graduate education. But then there's also aftermarket, if you like, education. So to me, it's one of the big challenges we face. There's desperate need for analytics, but not enough people with the skill sets that companies need. But how much of a recognition do you see on this side of 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 the scope as to the understanding that we do need to have this type of information in the world that Melanie is in, in the school districts here in Philadelphia and others around the United States. Well, I can give a brief story about that just quickly. Um, So my 13-year-old son, Ben, uh, we're signing him up for a course in analytics and programming. And I asked him, you know, which of this stuff do you already know? And he goes through the list. Yep, know that, know that, know that. I was just doing a little Python programming myself the other night. So my, (laughs) and that shocked me. I was like, is that, I thought you were playing Fortnite up there. Is that what you were doing up there? And so the part I think, I think most schools today recognize that by the time someone gets to college, they need to have some set of analytics, data analysis, 
coding skills or at least familiarity with it. And so I'm excited not only to tell people about what's going on at Warden Around Analytics, but to hear from people like Melanie, like what is going on in our school districts? Because my view is if you're 18 years old, arriving in college, and you have no familiarity with it, it's not too late, but it would be great to start kids at a much younger age. Absolutely. Melanie. Right. So, uh, and I couldn't agree more. I couldn't, and, and, and super thrilled to hear about your son already working with Python. Um, so, you know, we believe at the at the school district of Philadelphia that really um, the concepts have to start in elementary school. So we have a digital literacy curriculum that starts at kindergarten, goes through eighth grade, um, lays out a scope and sequence um, for each grade level, uh, each quarter for what the teachers would be teaching. So, you know, as you can imagine, the very basics of coding are understanding patterns, right? So kids have to know red, blue, yellow, red, blue, yellow, what's the next sequence? So teaching patterns, teaching problem solving, teaching that computational thinking, and then in second grade, actually going online and doing programming, uh, some basic coding skills, which is, you know, the entry level to true programming. So that by the time they get to high school, and hopefully want to start in a computer science course, they already have that foundational skills and thinking. How prevalent is that type of education piece in the public school system? I mean, here in Philadelphia, obviously, but around the country in general, do you think? You know, talking with my peers across the country, in some ways it's a mixed bag. Um, uh, Everybody understands the importance of it. Um, you know, under the previous administration in D.C., many of us were, were called to D.C. quite often to talk about co- computer science for all and how do we start it at uh, the youngest grade levels. So it's starting. We all have a lot of work to do, um, but we all see the importance and that's where the job market's going. How much of it is a resource piece to oh, it as well? It's, it's absolutely a resource issue. So I'll say in Philadelphia, uh, in the public school system, we have about 180 elementary schools and 133 of them have a dedicated digital literacy teacher. We're very uh, clear to call them digital literacy and not computer science because we really do define that as what starts in high school. And in I was talking with principals yesterday and a lot of it just comes down to resources. How do you yeah. free up another teacher? Of course, we want our kids to have arts and music. Very important. But, you know, athletics, athletics, absolutely. But, you know, I say, but, you know, this is these are the skills that they need for the future. So so building on Melanie's answer, one of the things I was very excited about that happened at the event was the discussion of is it a resource problem or is it a skills gap problem? And that's the subtitle of the conference, which was the sub the skills gap. So resources can fix certain problems, but you still need teachers in the classroom who have the skills to teach digital literacy. So how do you go? How do you best go about that now? When you're talking about Melanie, something that's relatively new as a as as a teachable entity to bring into schools. Yes. Uh, so we're we're very uh, excited that Governor Wolf has actually put money behind computer science and knowing that the uh, we need to teach and train more teachers. So they are actually working um, with code.org to have training over the summer, both for elementary school teachers, middle school teachers, and computer science teachers. And we're saying we will pay the teachers. Uh, The state is paying for the course. And if if they are committed to starting a new computer science course in the fall, and we'll give them lots of embedded coaching and moving back. So we we completely agree that there has to be more money put, put behind teaching more teachers the skill set to pass that on. So this students. is being done with existing teachers already that are already in the in the school system and giving them 
better resources, better understanding so that they can pass that on when you when they have classes in the fall. Yes, but I'll say not enough, not right. enough. We would right. love a lot more teachers to be raising their hands and volunteering or, you know, hiring new teachers with this skill set. I think one of the opportunities we see at the Wharton School is we've started 11 years ago when we started the center, I would not have forecast the demand for high school summer programs around analytics and coding. So one of the things you can imagine, we hold a Wharton Moneyball Academy for people that want to learn statistics, data analysis and yeah. coding through sports. Imagine those students had a practicum part of their work where they worked with local Philadelphia schools. Now you have high school students who are not only taking courses in analytics and computer science, but as we say, you don't learn analytics through a class. You learn it by doing it and by teaching it. So this would be a wonderful opportunity for Wharton to partner with the Philadelphia School District where these kids could come here and, and learn, but also learn by teaching. Love the idea. And also getting the children out of their local setting, coming to a to a college location to really see what's possible. But then the hope is, obviously, as, as we move through the next several years, that as more students graduate, get their teaching certificates, that they want to have, they either have this learning already with them, or they want to take the time to learn it so that they can be that next generation of of, uh, of teachers in this area. Yes, teachers or come back as programmers. You know, I mean, right. so I'm also an employer in the city of Philadelphia, and it is very difficult to find uh you know, qualified professionals that want to program, do data analytics, big data. It's a tough market to hire in. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132. Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We're talking about the Wharton Customer Analytics Conference here uh, at the University of Pennsylvania last week. Joining me, Eric Bradlow, who is a faculty director of the Wharton Customer Analytics Initiative, and also Melanie Aris from the School District of Philadelphia. This is obviously, Eric, it's just a unique time that we are in right now with the fact that, that big data and analytics are such a critical part of almost everything we do on a daily basis. And I think it's refreshing to understand that there is a recognition from school districts here in Philadelphia, but others around the country, that this is what has to be taught. And the understanding that, you know what, we may need to tweak what has been traditionally taught in our schools in decades past in order to fit the skills of what these kids are going to need moving forward. Yeah, I'm sure one of the things that Melanie is seeing in the school district, but we're seeing it as well. As a matter of fact, I was just interviewed this morning about this specific question. Should analytics and computer science, should it be its own specialized track? Or do we see a day, whether it's at Warden or the Philadelphia School District, where every course has some component in it? Yeah. And this will be the classic problem, I think, we as educators, whether it's at the college level, whether it's at the pre-K through 12 level, how do you teach analytics? Should it be part of your history course? Should it be part of your science course? Or should you, in your weekly or daily rotation, go in and take your analytics course? I'm not sure which way it's going to fall out. I think here at the Wharton School, we're starting with the easy route, which is you have a course in analytics. Right, right. And then, but I think what's going to happen years from now is, in some sense, it's not going to go away. It's just going to be in every course. That's my vision and that's my hope. That that's an excellent point, and it is something that we debate quite often. And I will say, of you know, my superintendent, Dr. William Height, um, really strongly believes that these aspects should be taught across the spectrum in all classes, even at the youngest grade levels. Right. So as I was, you know, going out to schools and meeting with teachers. You know, it's not just your AP computer science. It's also in your algebra one. It's also in your science. It's in your statistics courses, the idea of how to how to uh, consume data, how to analyze it, how to, you know, either display it in, in uh, 
you know, different graphs and forms as a way how to know that the sample set that you're working with, is it a bias sample set or is it a random sample set? I mean, we're starting that in fifth and eighth grade in the course titles that everyone is used to. So, you know, I'll say maybe the algebra one of yesterday is not the algebra one of today. How does that change the dynamic in the classroom with the students and the teacher? Because, again, I think the benefit is if you start it early enough, it just becomes a normal process of what education becomes here in the city of Philadelphia, correct? Absolutely. And and I, um, with the Common Core a few years ago, I mean, there is a lot uh, more of a push towards real-life use problem-solving, and I do right. see that in the language of the students and the problems that they're working with. I mean, one of the problems uh, that we saw in one of the classes with, okay, you're a Lyft driver, and how do you maximize the efficiency of your driving versus the money you're bringing in? I mean, you're using data sets to solve really what is, you know, real problems and, and, and break it down for students at that level. Do you guys not teach the traveling salesman problem, which is how do you optimally get between a bunch of different routes in the shortest possible <laughs> path? That's what, you know, that's, maybe that's, not, right, yeah, yeah, maybe that's yeah. not taught anymore in, right. in the schools. Right. But, it, but it is, it, it is a, a basic that when you're talking about wanting to have probably the best education you possibly can, there's an element, Eric, that, and I agree with this, that if you are able to solve real-world problems and not just do kind of theoretical stuff, that you are taking two or three steps ahead instead of maybe one step. Let me let me tell you again the Wharton Customer Analytics motto. You learn analytics by doing analytics. That's right. our motto. And so, yes, it's great to have, you know, take a look take a lecture on Python. It's great to take a lecture on statistical methods. And all that's fine. In my experience, 23 years as an educator, none of it gets absorbed, or at least as well, until you actually have to apply it to a real-world problem. Right. And so I'm very excited to hear that the Philadelphia School District is thinking about real problem-solving. And real problem-solving, by the way, is not – and that's why I'm also here, glad to hear you're integrating it across courses because it's not like, well, now let me apply my algebra skills to this problem. You're going to have to apply all your skills to this problem. And so that's exactly the same tact and vision we have here at the Wharton School. Great. Couldn't agree more. Uh, you're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Eric Bradlow of the Wharton School joining me in studio, along with Melanie Harris, who's the Chief Information Officer for the School District of Philadelphia. All right, so you you have this plan in place, but what are the next steps, do you think, in the process that, that need to be looked at to improve this even farther? Um, you know, really taking the conversation back to um, there's only so much time in the day. And how do we work with uh, principals and, you know, inside their schools to say, yes, um, reading and math and science and social studies, since we still have to teach them, how do we go back and integrate this into the curriculum? So we really are trying to come up with actual content, actual things that can be placed into the curriculum so that we're not just saying, go and do this, but go find it on your own. So it's going to take time to integrate that, but by actually giving them Uh, problems and suggestions of what they can do in the different subject areas. We have coaches that do nothing but go out to a set of schools and go and support them on this. So, you know, it's easy to say that things take money um, and that's that's part of it. But a lot of it is um, not just the money, but the time and the training and, you know, thinking of a new way of teaching in what are the traditional 
subjects. But there's also the part of it is obviously the learning that occurs in the schools is one piece to it. But part of this also occurs when the students are at home as well. And it's also the fact of them having the resources when they are at home. And I'm wondering if that is the area where you can potentially look for those public-private partnerships to be able to assist students if they're in a low-income neighborhood and they maybe don't have the access to the internet that obviously most students really need to have in this day and age, that that's where you can try and build upon that. And that is very true. So we do have a lot of phenomenal partners that offer uh, offer after-school activities or weekend activities or or summer uh, courses. That is something that we like to build into our uh, summer offerings through grant uh, funding to offer courses. Again, that's never enough. I would love to do so much more with that. Um, you know, we do know that having Comcast in our backyard, they have made some progress with Comcast Essentials and offering low cost devices to homes. Of course, we'd love to see a lot more of that. Um, but we do make the, you know, if a student has a device at home, all of their materials are available to them through their right. student portal. So every parent has a parent portal. Every student has a, a student portal. And all the materials are accessible and available, at least through the public libraries um, or other partnerships that provide the devices. Eric? Well, I was going to say, the um, as I think back to the conference, um, the subtitle is a skills gap. It's not going to start anywhere but in elementary and high school education. That's where it's going to start because, as you said earlier, Dan, um, the challenges we face are going to take time. It's going to take Mm -hmm. not just money, but it's going to take people that have not only the skills to do it, but if you start teaching a first or second grader about the value of coding and what I'll call structured algorithmic thinking – it's kind of like, you know, it's like a drug in the sense you can't stop thinking about things that way. You know, since I've been this person for 50 years, right. um, people have told me, you just think about things differently than other people. And I'm like, yeah, I guess all that coding over the years, I guess it just makes me think in a structured way. And with what the school district is doing, I feel very bullish that there's going to be a big SWAT swarm of students out there that can actually fill these jobs. What do you think then is the is the ultimate goal now as we sit here in 2019 with the opportunities that are being provided to a variety of students, but the expectation of where we need to be in 2025, 2030 is, and such. I think the two challenges we face and the opportunities we have is the challenges are training teachers is a non-trivial task. Training professors is a non-trivial task. The skill sets I learned 25 years ago, the math is not outdated, but a lot of the computing is outdated. Mm-hmm. So now, how do you incentivize people, number one, to do continuing education? That's a big challenge. And then the opportunities that are out there are, here's the way I view it. If you have coding skills or statistical skills, you have option value. And that's right. the way I like to say it even to my own. I have three sons. That's the way I like to say it to them. I have no idea whether you're going to go into a mathematical discipline or not. That's your choice. You might want to be an artist. You might want to be a plumber. I don't know what you want to be. Right. But if you have math and coding skills, every industry is going to want you. And then you can make a choice about the kinds of things. So that, to me, is the big opportunity. Well, and the other part to it is, I mean, when you when you think long term, is just the impact that actually can occur to a city like Philadelphia of somebody that graduates and goes on to college, whether it be here at Penn or another university, and then they are contributing to the business world, Comcast, uh, you know, any one of the number of companies across the city of Philadelphia. I think we forget sometimes uh, of the process that goes into place and 
the end benefit that's actually there, which ends up being part of the local economy. And, and that's that's a point that um, I try to make to local employers or other CIOs in the city. And we talk about it. You know, hiring from outside the city is expensive. It's expensive to recruit. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's, it's expensive to hold on. You know, retention is difficult. People ultimately want to go back to, you know, their hometown or someplace else. But if we grow our own, it's only going to help the Philadelphia economy. And I believe the kids are hungry for it. Um, and they can grasp the concepts starting at the youngest age. I see these second graders. I see fifth graders helping second graders program these little robots, either the Ozbots or the Spheros. They yeah. have the language. It's natural to them. So I, I do believe if but it has to be a citywide initiative um, because there's so many pressures put on the Philadelphia School District coming from all forces. So it's something that we as a city have to get behind. And as Eric said, we have to start with our youngest kids. So how do we remove the barriers, really put all of our eggs in the basket of helping? And it's, you know, it's only going to, you know, move us forward as a city. Eric? I was just going to say, um, I think there's a real opportunity there. And I think there's a real opportunity for people like myself to give back. Like if someone said, Eric, you can spend one hour a week, one hour a week, whether it's grading someone's assignment or being online with a group of students and helping them out, I would do that in a minute. And I'm sure I could find a hundred of my friends that would do the same. And this is what Dan was referring to earlier. I think there's a real opportunity to build a partnership here between people with, you know, professionals who have skills but want to give back but don't have 40 hours a week or don't have money to give back but they want to give their skills back to help train other people and i think there's a real opportunity well, excited but the the other component i guess to this and, and i don't know how much this plays with the the school district is there there is obviously an opportunity out there to be able to bring this type of learning to maybe somebody that has already graduated high school and, and again this goes back to the continued learning maybe it's somebody that is struggling to find a job, but they 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 want to take that next step in the process. And I think that's just as important a component for a local economy as anything. Yeah, one of the things we heard about at the conference last week was one of the big signature events that Working Nation published about was this program called The Last Mile. I don't know if you've heard about it, yeah. but it's where um, people that are currently incarcerated, people in prison, um, are actually taught how to code. So then when they go back into the workforce, then all of a sudden they have opportunities and jobs. Right. And to me, it's not just about people in uh, elementary or high school. It's not just about people at the collegiate or graduate level. It's about how about the 50-year-old who's <laughs> she or he maybe has lost their job. How about it's the 30-year-old looking to change careers from job A to job B. Yeah. We have to have comprehensive education for people. And that is what the event was about. It's about that skills gap, but not just about the 8-year-old or 10-year-old or 18-year-old or 25-year-old. Everyone has a skills gap, and the thing is we need teachers and people that can teach people those skills. Well, and the other part to it, and playing this off of what we saw more than a decade ago with the recession with so many people losing their job, now, you, as you said, you have the people that are maybe 50, 55 years of age that lost their job are having a harder time kind of finding that next opportunity, whether it be because of their skills or their age or whatever it might be. But to be able to have them have the opportunity to be able to go back and, and learn this 
it, it, it provides a dual benefit. One, now they have the skills in this area, but two, they have the life experience, which so many companies say that they have as a huge benefit these days. I, I agree with you. The intersection of someone that can actually understand a fundamental business problem and have data and analytics skills is a great combination. And so if we can retrain people that have work experience, but actually now train them in a technical skill set, yeah. I think we have a real opportunity. I think it's interesting, Melanie, because from your perspective, in the school district of Philadelphia, obviously there is a, an overall plan for the district of how you want to approach a lot of these issues. But it's also that the fact that the school district is part of the larger yes. city of Philadelphia government, which has so many other issues that it's dealing with. So it's part of that. that I hate to use the word fight, but I think it is the case, the fight to make sure that you have everything that you need. Very true. I mean, um, we're very lucky in the last year having uh, Mayor Kenny bring the school district back under uh, the city purview yeah. and, and uh, having the Board of Education. I think that allows us to have a lot more streamlined conversations on funding around this. And um, I've done a lot of uh, joint conversations or ventures with the city looking at partnerships and organizations that can help. So, um you know, of course, there's always going to be that, you know, that tenuous line. But I I have all the faith that we can get there. Great meeting you both. Thanks Thank for coming you. in. Thank you. Great to see you. Eric Bradlow from here at the Wharton School. Melanie Harris from the School District of Philadelphia. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.